Lanier, as always, joined alongside my two co-hosts, Luke Burrows and Nick Robinson. Tons to cover as we do. Uh, lots of hockey news to talk about. But before we do, remember to download both the Barn, Burner, and Zingo TV app available on both iOS and Android devices. Uh, Zingo TV is also available on Chromecast, Amazon Fire, and Fire TV Sticks. Roku and Roku Sticks also on all smart TVs. 2016 forward. We actually don't have that much news to cover, but we have stuff to cover, at least uh, given the circumstance. And if you have not noticed, it is not just my two co-hosts today. We also have a special guest joining us today, uh, Mr. Kyle Watson. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking about hockey. Of course. And Nick, Luke, how are we doing? Good, doing thank good. You. It's nice and bold of you every show now to keep proclaiming. We got lots to talk about. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I miss back when all this stuff was happening and we get we could pick what we didn't have to include, whereas now we have to include just about everything. So um, we're going to talk about hockey and, and we know you're a Pens fan and we're going to get to the Penguins and some of the other NHL lists later. But uh, let's get to know you a little bit for the viewers and listeners who may not know. Um, you're, you're a sport media student. You're all, we're all in the same class. Um, talk a little bit about what it was about sport media that, that led you to it and, and how did you get into it? Well, uh, in grade 12, I guess like a lot of guys, uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to go into. Actually, I, I took the victory lap, um, but so I didn't apply to any universities or colleges by the deadline in, in the fall. Um, but throughout the year, I was working with uh, this, the high school football team, just covering their games on uh, filming their games, doing the Twitter and highlights and whatnot. And uh, it was actually a buddy of mine that told me about the program, uh, as well as I knew some people in the year above us. And as soon as I figured out that this was a legitimate, you know, career path and a program in the university, it was a uh, pretty easy for me for there. So I just started practicing, started writing for some blogs and, and working for the nights. And, um, you know, I haven't looked back since it's been nothing but more and more exciting each day in this program as I get closer and closer to a career in the industry. We'll we'll get to your stuff with the nights later on. Talk a little bit about uh, sport media specifically. What, what is it you aim to do? Because like a lot of people in our program, we do we do shows and podcasts and writing and, you know, a lot of people do graphics, for example. But what are you looking to get out of the program and how are you looking to use the skills you've learned to expand your knowledge? And, and, and what do you want to do once you hopefully when you when you graduate? Uh, I mean, thus far, I'm not dead set on anything. Um, primarily what I've been doing is writing. Uh, I've been trying to work on my, you know, on air stuff, television and podcasts, but uh, I think just having the ability to tell the story uh, through writing and having being able to look at it a second and third time and edit it and really take your time with it um, and not have to worry about uh, screwing up has just been what I've enjoying so thus far. Um, yeah, I think I'm just a, a better with the written word than I am with with my voice, as you can tell right now. <laughs> well, you're, you're, do, you're doing fine. Don't, don't worry too much about it. Um, well, let's talk about the work you do. And um, again, you, uh, you, work, you mentioned you work for the Knights. And for those who don't know, what, tell us what you do. What do you do for them? Yeah, so I'm just a, a writer on their website. Um, pretty much anything you see that's considered creative on their website is me. Like I don't do any of the press releases or anything, but you know, all the, all the coverage and analysis and uh, any interviews or features, that's all me. And uh, I actually got started doing that. Uh, I worked, I live in London and I worked at the gift shop through the nights. And like, uh, as soon as I figured out that sport media was something I was interested in, I figured, you know, what better way to get practice than work with the great team I have available to me in London. Um, so I just met with the PR manager for the nights. And I said, listen, you know, this is the position I'm in. I'm willing to work for nothing and just, uh, you know, any, anything you can do to help me, I'd like to do to help you. And uh, I've been doing it for, for three years now and it's been wonderful. Yeah. Well, I, I think they call that the Kyle Dubas model, right? Start at the absolute bare bones of the organization, eventually start to work your way up. Uh, you've got some NHL ties too, to what you do uh, in terms of fandom and stuff like that. Why don't you talk about any of the biases you might have? Yeah. So uh, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Um, that started when one Sidney Crosby came and played in London in the 2005 Memorial Cup. Um, and, you know, being six years old, uh, I just hopped on, hopped on the bandwagon of this Crosby kid that all my friends were talking about. Uh, and I, I've been a loyal fan ever since. So, you know, I haven't, I haven't jumped ship or anything. So you went to the 2005 Memorial Cup. That's pretty cool. Did you, did you make it to 2014 as well? 
I, I did the next one was yeah yeah we hosted in 2014 we were awful that year though we, we were out in the first round against Guelph so it wasn't much of a Memorial Cup to watch uh, from a night standpoint other than seeing uh, Mitch Marner in his rookie year he was great but um, I it's funny because I, I I had season tickets from the first Memorial Cup um, and then I waited all my life till 2015 16 when we won the second memorial cup i was ready to see another memorial cup when it actually meant a lot more to me because i was a teenager and understood the sport a lot more but i that's actually when i started working in the gift shop so i didn't see any of the we went 14 and 0 in the playoffs i didn't see any of those games um so that was kind of annoying but of course i get to observe the team from a from a better standpoint now so quick one with the 2014 one did you work the game where they played against uh was it brandon wheat kings they played that. I think they were in that tournament because I went to one of the games where Curtis Lazar was playing. So I went, went and drove up to see him. I uh, was really hyped for that prospect that unfortunately didn't work out, but uh, Kyle, just a couple of quick things about the OHL. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about it on the show already the past couple of weeks, how the OHL looks like it's moving towards being contactless next year with regards to no hitting and stuff like that. Uh being pretty familiar with the league and the players and stuff like that. Why don't you give us uh, your quick thoughts on the gov or the way that they seem to be headed with the government? Well, everything I've read thus far um, from the OHL side, you know, owners and, and players, um, I think it was Thomas Harley that came out and said, like, I won't know what to do. I've been playing contact my whole life. And um, there's kind of a sense that they won't go ahead without contact because, you know, you know, like Thomas Harley saying, like none of the players would know what to do. It would, it would be an almost an entirely different sport and it wouldn't really be the best thing for them to prepare for the NHL. Um, I know premier Doug Ford has said that they will try to get body checking implemented uh, even if it may, means delaying the season even further. Uh, but yeah, I really just, I don't see if I don't see a season this year, if there's, if Lisa McLeod doesn't want body checking. Well, if there is uh, maybe take into account just a normal season, what do you expect from the Knights uh, in the COVID-19 season that they're going to be playing? Well, uh, like we've all been accustomed to, I think the Knights are going to be a strong team once again. Uh, it looks almost certain that Connor McMichael is going to come back. And, you know, he had almost over, he had over hundred points this year in a, in a shortened season. And I think without a doubt, he's going to do that again. Um, and I think there's a lot of young guys that are ready to make big jumps like Luke Evangelista. Um, and then even some of the draft eligible, eligible kids this year could be like Evangelista was this year and that he went from scoring two points to almost a point per game. Like guys, guys like Roloffs, uh, Logan Mayu, who had a great year with the London Nationals in the, in the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League. Um, I don't know if we are considered the favorite, though. I think Oshawa is looking really strong. Uh, as well as Saginaw getting Perfetti back. And you can't count out the team with Quinton Byfield, even though Sudbury isn't too strong of a team uh, other than their their top players. Um, but yeah, I have no doubt that we'll be right in the mix once again. And I think uh, Brett Brochu and Nett will, will, will be really good for us too. All right, Patrick, did you want to move on then to the winger talk? Yes, let's, uh, let's get to that. So now that we've sort of gotten to know Kyle, we'll get to know uh, your takes because we definitely have some spicy ones on uh, this show from time to time. And there were definitely some spicy takes on this list, if that even makes sense. Regardless, let's talk about the list itself and let's talk about the NHL 20 uh, wingers they put out. Uh, I think Mark Lazarus tweeted this about a week ago. And um, we're going to get our initial reactions. I think there's one name specifically that sticks out and I'm not just saying this to pick on Luke, uh, <laughs> but there is a name that sticks out here. And you know, the order, the top five order is more or less what I expected from the NHL. Again, I think if anything, we look at NHL lists mainly to criticize it, not to, not to actually think, Oh, that's a good list. We see it with our defensemen, their centers. There's always um, some clickbaity content within. And uh, I think this is one of them, but um, we'll get your thoughts, Nick, if you, if you, when, when you, yeah, I'm going to pull them up here. Uh, you know, like you said, Patrick, we usually like to sit here and criticize them, but you know what? I'll be the first to say, I will not criticize a list as soon as I see one that's actually kind of decent and I have yet to yet. So uh, we'll pull it up here. I'll pull up the bottom half of the top 21st. And we can just get our early reactions on that because I think that's where all the good reactions are going to be. Uh, let's pull that up here. 
So I think the one that sticks out to everybody is the guy sitting in 17. I don't know. Luke maybe speaking. Does it stick out? Oh yeah. It sticks out for me. Um, well, here's, I haven't, I love how we just, we're waiting for Luke to justify this entire thing. <laughs> you just, I know you, you bring this up and then you're just like, all right, Luke, go. Um, I haven't really studied this list per se. Regardless is, is, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to dig myself a hole here. Um, is JT Miller uh top 20 wing in the NHL? I think it's, it's debatable. And the reason I say that, because I, I forget when we had another JT Miller discussion, I forget why we were doing that, but it was recent. I think it was the oh, it was, yeah, the redraft. Cause we were talking about, like I was referencing sod and stuff. Um, the reason that I would, I would like to, to argue in favor of Miller here is just based off his most recent season. And I know that's really hard to do. And it's a bit, um, it's a bit unfair, I guess, but I, I personally don't really know what goes into making these lists. Um, not that it really matters per se, but based off the most recent season, I think JT Miller was one of the best wings in the league when it comes down to actually placing him. Like he's in 17th here. I think, I think it's pretty, it's pretty debatable. Um, like a guy like him coming off just one year of 70, whatever points, uh, he could slide a lot. I think, I think you guys want to see him slide. Um, but I, 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 I do think top 20 wings, he's, he's in, he's near the bottom. I think that's fair. I get what you guys mean. Cause like I keep saying it is based off of just one year, but I, I truly and honestly believe he's, he's that good. I'm not saying he's, he's one of the best wingers in the league, but I think I think he's as good as he appeared to be this so, season. So for the next two seasons, we'll say, t- I don't know. I don't know what it's, how many, how many years is he signed for? Uh, two or three more. All right. So for the next, for the next two seasons, is it, is it a realistic expectation to, for JT Miller to put up 60 to 70 points, maybe even more? Um, you, do you think he is a 60 point? Like, why wouldn't he's, it have he's worked? On until, in, he's on until 22, 23. Okay. What, what, what didn't work in New York or well, Tampa? I don't. Okay. Here's the thing. And I, I and I'm I'm not looking at his DB. I was last time I brought this point up, but when he was in New York, he was a younger player. He, he was a young like he. I don't think there was any ever there's ever any expectation that he was going to be uh, not necessarily a superstar, but just like a, a star player in the NHL. I don't think that was ever a thing. When he was in New York, he was fairly young, and then he goes to Tampa, where I think we could all agree he was he was surrounded by talent. Yep. Um, right awesome thing to be a to be a tampa bay lightning fan but for jt miller himself i would like to say that he was a bit he was a bit crowded and first season right at the gates in vancouver he's he's putting up a massive career year 72 in 69 closest second behind that was 56 and 82 his second last uh his last full season with the rangers um, he's, he's 27 now and he left New York when, I don't know, he was 24. That's just quick math. So I, I really think, and we talked about when players peak last week or whatever. Yep. Um, I, I really think it was a matter of just, he, he was on, a, he was on a fine up and coming swing with the Rangers. He gets traded to Tampa. Um, and there's just not really room for him to do what he does. And then one year, like I said, right out the gates in Vancouver, he's, he's a, he's a really good player. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> Nick, whenever Nick disagrees, he always goes, "Yeah, I don't know." And then yeah, just I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm just trying to look up his shooting percentage here because man, it was sixteen point four percent last oh, year. He's a he's a traditionally pretty high volume shooting percentage player. It's actually really interesting. I'm looking at his DB right now. NHL um, showing nineteen point four. It says sixteen point four on okay. Hockey Reference. He's a career 13.2% shooter. That's really high. Like that, that, that's got to be one of the highest marks in the league. But regardless, he's still not even more point towards that he was not getting a lot of opportunities then. Because when he was getting opportunities, he was scoring. Sure, but he's still shooting 3% over his career average this year. That's going to contribute a few more goals. 
um, than normal. But I, I don't know. Pat, I know you in particular took issue with him being ahead of a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. So if I may, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to rip on JT Miller. And I was looking at, look, like Luke, in your case as a Canucks fan, and if you're Jim Benning and, and you have this player, you were expecting probably, and Mike Johnson, I think, said this today or a couple of days ago on NHL Network, you were expecting a 20 to 25 goal, 50 point guy. And luckily, you got a 72 point guy this season. That's a wonderful thing. And looking at all forwards, he finished 17th in. Uh, you can put up 85 points in a full season, I think. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, Not that's, that it matters. But no, I know. Saying. That's the thing. That's where I'm like, okay, again, maybe with inflated totals. And I don't know over you know, the next three seasons, if that's realistic when he's healthy, regardless as a Canucks fan, you love this. This is perfect for you. Uh, But the issue it's just recency bias. And I'm not really sure what, what they are. And we talked about this with the defensive list. What is the criteria that they're following? Because you have him over Tarasenko, which no one would ever do. And you didn't include someone like Gallagher, Nylander, Svechnikov, Hall, and we can debate those players. But I, I think if you were to ask most people on this panel, if you're picking a winger, I think most of the guys you mentioned, most people would take over, over, uh, I'm JT Miller. I'm not saying like when this, like, I don't, I don't wait for these lists to come out. I, I see them when they come out. Right. Um, I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have predicted him to be on this list. Uh, that being said, the fact that he's, he's on the bottom of it 17th. Um, yeah. It, it means that there were some snubs and you just named a few, a few guys that, should what could and should maybe be in his place but i'm just saying i don't think him where he is should be that uh shocking to to maybe a non-biased non-canucks fan that's all right that's, well, let's, kyle, kyle i'll throw it over to you quick. Yeah, i i know he's behind uh i know jake gensel's behind them that's a player you would watch a lot uh what gives with that we can talk about Jake Gensel in a second. Do you have the, the top 10? Yeah, I do have the top 10 list. I'll pull that up as well. There's just, uh, okay, well, I guess let's, we can let's slag Jake on Gensel. Miller for us for a little bit. Slag on Miller. We want to get, <laughs> we want to get this going. If you want, you don't have to. <laughs> well, I think Luke raises a lot of good points, um, but I think he played with Stamkos, didn't he, in Tampa Bay? So you, you I don't actually know. Yeah, that, that is a good point. New I... York to Tampa and put up more points. So here are the uh, top 10 wingers. Obviously, yeah, Artemi see, Panarin. Up he's not high. on there, like, so that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, we'd, we'd certainly have an issue if JT Miller was <laughs> on here. Um, obviously, Artemi Panarin, reigning Hart Trophy winner at number one right now. I have no problem with that. Um, Pasternak ahead of Kucherov, I maybe have a problem with. Um, I think Pasternak's great, but I think Kucherov does a lot more to benefit those around him than Pasternak does. Um I the Marner Rantanen at seven eight like I can listen to arguments either way for that I know that's been a hot point of debate I but I think uh, one here that sticks out I think Mark Stone is better than anybody that is on four through nine I really do believe that I was gonna say I'd put him at six I would put him at um, for me and while I think Mark Stone is better than probably. I mean, I just have a hard time. He probably is an all-around better hockey player than everyone from from five through nine, but I would just have a hard time putting him ahead of someone like Patrick Kane. But again, that's probably my fondness for Patrick Kane, but I could I could very easily put him ahead of Huberto, Rantanen, Marner. The Marner-Rantanen thing, I think, would we agree that maybe Marner's a bit too high? Is Marner really the seventh best winger in the league? Is And the same with David Pasternak. I don't think David Pasternak is the yeah, seventh best If winger. I did this list, my top three would be Panarin, Kucherov, Stone. That would be mm. my top three here. Um, I would definitely bump Stone. I don't think I'd bump him that much. Watson, what, what are your thoughts on this part? Well, the reason I wanted to see the top 10 before I made this comment was I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is where's Andre Sveshnikov and where's yep. Brady Kachuk? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know Kachuk like not yet. Can I, I, Kachuk not yet, I don't think. Um, I think Kachuk's a really good – he's so unique. I just don't think he's got the offense there yet to be in contention for this list. Svechnikov, I definitely think those should have been on this can, list. Can, sorry, can we see the, the other one again? I just want to, <laughs> I, cause I would maybe put, put two at once. I'd maybe put Svechnikov in. Um, for Miller? <laughs> no, well, yeah, yes. Like I, I won't lie, but I'd maybe put him in top 10. I just want to see who's on, on 10 to 20 again, but 
that's probably the biggest. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Sveshnikov, again, yeah. I think he should at least be in the top 15, if anything. I would put him top 10. Yeah. Just based he, on He's getting here, there. Like, sure. I think I think one more good year for Sveshnikov, and he'd definitely be in the top 10. Well, I also think, had he not gotten that injury in the playoffs, he would, without a doubt, be right. in here. Because the way he started the play, and I guess I should say, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, saying really unfortunate that he got hurt the way he did, but I don't know. This is this is another example of the NHL's list, man. They uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what exactly the criteria is. I would love to see a breakdown right. as to I'm I'm not sure exactly who makes the lists either. If it's collective, um, right. we we don't know like any about what they're doing and, to get this list because it, if it's a collective thing, you know, nine people could have not had JT Miller on their ballot, but one guy could have had him at five, and that automatically puts him right. at seventeen. Like we have no idea like it, it would be helpful to have some context as to what yeah. goes into this and we we had well we kind of had this difficulty whenever we do our redrafts we look at past seasons someone like Mika Zibanejad who Nick I know you rated very highly we were kind of stepping back and saying okay if he didn't have the monster season he did would he still have that so you have to factor in both and kind of find that that fine line of what you're trying to evaluate with but I will say um, you know someone like Tarasenko being 20th after a down year if Patrick Kane has a down year, is he all of a sudden bumped into the top five? Is Ovechkin bumped into the top five? Uh, not that Tarasenko is on that level, but this is a 30 to 40 goal score every single season. And bumping him to 20, I think, is um, a little ridiculous. If we have no more comments on that, we can talk a little bit to, uh, about the Penguins and have, have an outsider's perspective uh, or non-outsider's yeah, perspective on uh, on the Penguins. So, uh, Watson, Kyle, because you're my classmate, I'm calling you Watson. Okay. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Pittsburgh. Before we get to Jim Rutherford's moves, the coaching changes, the signings, all the trades, let's talk about uh, the plans and um, what went wrong. Did, did you did you want to like celebrate in his face for like 10 nope, minutes here? I'm, like I, I was, I'm wondering where you're going with this. I No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying not to. Um, aside from getting, as Luke would say, their confidence dismantled by uh, Kotkaniemi and other kids, let's say. Uh, uh, I wouldn't. What do you think? Far, but... What do you think went wrong? Uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, first of all, I guess I wish I had a clear-cut explanation. Uh, I can try my best to explain what happened, but, like, I really don't know. I was kind of baffled every game we watched, watching some of the best offensive players of all time not be able to put up any points against the 24th best, 24th best team in the league. Um, I think the first thing, obviously, is, is Carey Price played pretty much as well as we've seen Carey Price play before. Um and then on, on the Penguins side, um, I think we were playing our best hockey in December before the trade deadline, um, and actually without Sidney Crosby. Um, so I, I I was a fan of the, the Zucker trade, but then they start bringing in these guys like Marlo and Evan Rodriguez, and and the line the lines start changing, and I just they actually went on a skid to end the year, and then you have the big break between you know COVID, and uh, they came back and. They just never got it going, and, and they didn't seem to try anything different. They weren't really switching up line combinations. Uh, I think the biggest change they did was put Schultz on the power play. And I think the other big thing was when we were playing our best in December, it was with Tristan Jari. And Matt Murray came back. I think he won f- four of his final six games, so there was a bit of a conundrum on who to pick. But I think they should have kept Matt Murray on a tight leash, and they didn't put Jari until, what, the third or the fourth game? And I think as soon as Matt Murray had that first game, uh, he let in two soft ones. I think they should have put Jari in. Um, and yeah, I think the rest is just down to the incredible performances of Suzuki and Kakinyemi and, and the hunger that was in that Canadian team. They were lucky to be in the play on the play in. I don't think they should have been in the play and that's a whole nother topic, but uh, they looked like they wanted it a lot more than that Penguins team. Um, I want to ask specifically, thank you for saying that. Very kind of you. Yeah, I we ask... really try not to bolster <laughs> the Canadians on this show. So yeah, I, we try to I... bring each other down as, <laughs> as much as we can. Yeah, we don't I... let each other. We don't let each other get excited about um, our team. So thank you for saying that. I can rip into words. them. I've got things to say. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not about Montreal, of course. But let's talk about, uh, let's talk about, let's go back to Pittsburgh. And let's talk about some players because um I had a feeling that Montreal could have won, not because of the amazing performances from the young players, but because of Carey Price and a well-rested Carey Price can do damage. I was very impressed with Crosby and Crosby is how Crosby always is. But the one that just seemed very off to me was Evgeny Malkin. And, you know, 
the first couple games he seemed kind of slow and people were wondering when angry Gino would come out, but that never happened. And there was a lot of people, there were a lot of people on Twitter who were rather concerned. Do you think what happened in the plans is sort of cause for concern? And do you think that's sort of the reality of COVID world, you know, people didn't really care about the plans as much as others maybe thought. And before you start on this, you know, he's been quiet the past two playoffs. We can't forget like the Islanders playoffs where they were swept the years prior. He was silent in that series as well. Like what's going on here with Gino? I think this is something Malkin suffered with throughout his whole career. Like throughout his whole career, he's always played better when Crosby's not playing. Um, It's kind of a shame, honestly, like you're blessed with two of the best centers of all time and you can only really get one of them going at a time. But yeah, um, I think Malkin obviously is a, is a very like plays based on how his mood is. And yeah, I think the circumstances he was in, like he's already won three cups and then to go through all this COVID stuff uh, and have to play in such a weird format. I just don't think uh, Mike Sullivan was able to get the best out of him. And uh, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. You know, obviously the past couple summers, Malkin's been in, in trade talks amongst the fans and, and, and against amongst neutrals, but uh I don't know. I think maybe this is the last year before if he doesn't has another performance like this in the playoffs that I would start listening to trade offers. But I don't know. I think you should also consider after the poor regular season he had last year, he had a great year this year. He was one of the best players in the NHL five on five. Well, I'm a little shook to hear that Malkin uh, trade proposal because we talked about it, I think, about a month ago. Uh about Pittsburgh's core, what Rutherford was doing about it. And um, I think we all, I don't know if we agreed, but of the big four, and I was going to ask this later, but because you mentioned uh, potentially listening to offers on Malkin of the big, okay, no, I won't say the big four because Crosby's untouchable of the, of the three Gensel, Malkin, Latang. If one of those is being moved, is Malkin really the one that's most likely to be on the move? Because I've been reading a lot of people are worried that Rutherford might do sort of a knee-jerk reactionary trade and move on from Malkin because of how it's been going. Do you really think Malkin would be the one to move or would it be Latang or Gensel? Well, I wouldn't be surprised at anything at the Jim Rutherford these days, especially after the knee-jerk reaction with Kessel. But I think it's Malkin because I don't think you're getting rid of Jake Gensel. He's the best player by far out of the younger side of the Penguins. And he's basically our only hope of winning after Crosby and, and Malkin start to age. He's on a good contract as well. A great contract. That's worth noting. And I, I don't think you get rid of Latang because then we don't have a single top pairing defenseman, really. I guess Brian Dublin's kind of on the edge. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be Malkin. And, and then I think what you do from there is you, you try to extend the winning period of Crosby. I think Crosby will last longer than Malkin. So rather than trying to win right now, you could try to – try to maybe win for the next three to four years. Cause I think Crosby's going to play very long. And I think longer than Malkin, especially with the work ethic problems Malcolm has. So I could see it happening, but only if he puts up another woeful playoff in the playoff performance. Uh, Luke, Nick, any, any ca- uh, cause for concern on, on Malkin and, and of those three, would we see one of them on the move? Is it likely, do you think it's a good thing? Specifically on those three, I feel like I, f- I feel like Kyle's right. Um, I don't think like if I had to rank them least likely or I'll do most likely to least likely, I think Latang and Malkin would be there together. Malkin, again, echoing Kyle here, probably more likely just because of um, their their defense lineup. But I, I think I think Gensel and Cross, well, obviously, Cross, I think Gensel is out of the question for sure, because that that just doesn't make sense for if, if you are trading one of these pieces, I would assume it's because they're in a position where they're sort of conceding to, to maybe not rebuild, but to kind of do a little rebuild holding on to uh, Crosby and whoever else doesn't move. So I think moving Gensel would be foolish. Um, so yeah, Malkin, Malkin and Latang, And I think, I think Latang is going to, uh, still, still a great defense, but I think he's gonna he's gonna start. Um, what did we say yesterday? Everyone gets older. I think he's he's gonna start getting older. So between those two, uh, yeah, it's probably gonna be Malkin because he doesn't really bring age to the table. He doesn't bring his specific position to the table, and he's not as good as Sidney Crosby. So, yeah, I, I, I would think... say out of that group, it should be Latang that probably moves, but it seems like it'll be Malkin for whatever reason. I but I don't know. 
I, I don't, when was the last time a superstar like Evgeny Malkin got traded, right? It's, it's a long, it, they're so far and few and so few and far in between. Right. So it, it's tough to sort of foresee Evgeny Malkin playing in any other NHL Jersey, but like Kyle said, it's the unpredictability of Jim Rutherford and the Penguins right now. They're in such a confusing era. And it, I, I feel like it's only going to get more confusing now um, because of they're, they're going to need to extend the window as long as they have Sidney Crosby and you presume of getting Malkin, but um, you know, the past two seasons, it's just hasn't worked out. So now is going to be really um, the time where we get to see how good of a GM uh, Jim Rutherford is and what direction he actually wants to take that team in. Yeah, I'm. That was a good. When was the last time Evgeny, Evgeny Malkin level talent was traded? Luke, were you just googling there to find that out? It looked like you. No, were. I oh, wasn't. Okay, um, but I was. My I initial know. reaction was Luongo. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you think about it. The last really good players in the NHL, like really, really like high end players in the yeah. NHL, like, like top ten in their position, Eric Carlson, Carlson. Mark Stone. Yep. Yeah. That's the last time they're both top from the same team. Too. At the time Subban was traded, he was a top. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, that I would agree. And Weber was probably also a top ten. Yeah, to New Jersey. Time. To New Jersey. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's touch on some other moves. Let's touch on the. This was a weird one. Uh, Patrick Hornquist to to Florida for Mike Matheson, Colton Sevier, and Colton Sevier, just under five hundred games in his NHL career. A bottom six winger. I don't think we have to touch too much on him, but I want to ask you about Mike Matheson because he is one that I think a lot of people are sort of split on. Um, underlying numbers aren't great. Again six more years on that contract uh, that we all know, but uh, what are your thoughts on this deal uh, for Mike Matheson? Do you think this is an improvement? I'm assuming you're asking me. Um, I think this is a move to get, to get faster. Uh, the Penguins, when they won those two cups, were kind of playing a style of hockey that wasn't widespread across the league, like the high pace, uh, you know, North South game. And um yeah, so at the same time as losing a little bit of cap um, from, from Hornquist, they're also adding a guy that can really skate. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't too exciting of a trade for me. I don't really like it. I'm okay with it. Um, you know, having, I think he's going to play on the on the third pairing. So having a guy worth $4 million on your third pairing isn't the greatest. But I think one thing that's worth noting is in Florida, they're a lot more okay with the defense rushing the puck. But when you have guys like Crosby and, and Gensel, um, he's not going to be rushing the pucks so much. And that's kind of where he makes a lot of his mistakes. So uh, I think in the right system, Matheson can be a pretty good player, but uh, I think they could have got something better for Hornquist if they were really trying to get rid of him. Um, someone not worth so much. And I just really don't understand Jim Rutherford's obsession with trying to take guys like CC, good Branson um, and Jack Johnson, worst of all, and trying to revive their careers. Like this is getting weird at this point. This is like three or four defensemen. Well, you mentioned the problem right there, right? It's the evaluation of defensemen. We see so many teams make, you know, miscalculations on the blue line, how much it costs them. And I think, you know, Jack Johnson was a massive mistake. And I think everybody knows that. But to then go out and replace Jack Johnson with Cody Cece makes even less sense. Um, you know, what do you think about Cody Cece? Obviously, you've probably heard a lot from me. You've probably heard a lot living in Toronto about what he brings. Are you scared of what's going to happen when you see Cody CC hit the ice? Well, really similar to Matheson. I don't think he'll be so horrible in sheltered minutes, but like I said, like you could have gotten anybody else. And for that price, like honestly, um, Chad Ruiddle is a guy that's been permanently locked as our seventh defenseman. And I think he put up better numbers uh, analytically and surface level numbers than both of those guys. Um, and especially the CC move didn't make a lot of sense for me be considering Latang and Marino are arguably our two best defenders are both right-handed. So it's not like he's going to get much playing time. Um, yeah. So it, it's like same story as Matheson. Like, it's like, why do we keep going for these, these types of guys? Uh, and especially after all that relief of getting rid of Johnson, I think there's some people tweeting out like, Oh my gosh, like they're just going to go sign Cody CC, you know, Jim Rutherford. And then, they actually did it. And yeah, that's well, why I'm not so confident in the Penguins. <laughs> if I can, I don't want to, again, I don't want to defend Mike Matheson too much, but he is a good skater. But you also mentioned the transition play of the Penguins is not, is so much for Crosby Malkin to do a lot of the skating, not for Matheson. And um, 
hopefully if there's any because they made some they made some personnel changes as well along their bench so maybe if the if those coordinators can allow the defenseman to skate the puck up because look you can find plenty of tape of matheson being a really good puck mover from the back end skating and generating chances and i think if he can do that in pittsburgh it can serve to be a pretty solid signing never mind the term um let's talk about the matt murray trade that was Matt Murray to Ottawa for a second and a pick or a second and a prospect. Second and John Gruden. Right. Yes. Um, I think Penguins fans are frustrated with Matt Murray, especially in the play-ins, but do you, is that okay with you or as a Penguins fan? Did you want them to hang on to him? Or are you confident in, in Casey Smith and, uh, and Jari? I was kind of on the fence with Murray, um, but at the same time, I don't think he's really put up one year yet and he's pretty far into his career at the money he was demanding. I think I'm more comfortable with DeSmith and Jari. I think, De, I think DeSmith and Jari in small samples have been better than Murray has been in the past two or three seasons. Um, and I think looking at a team like Dallas, I mean, obviously we don't have Ben Bishop, but even looking at a team like Columbus, I should say like having two pretty good goaltenders has proven to be a pretty good strategy. Um, so I'm pretty confident that it'll be okay. Uh, I guess I would have preferred something that'll help us now more than a second round pick, but we did use it on a goaltender for the future. So overall I'm okay with it. And it did free up a tiny bit of cap space. Well, you and I talked uh, about Murray before the trade quite a bit. Cause I know you and I were texting back and forth, maybe a few weeks before the trade was made. And I told you that Murray was the guy that I wanted Ottawa to go out and get because they were tied to his name and, you know, having watched in the past couple of years, do you think, you know, it has he shown any more regular season promise like he did in the playoffs or is just all the hype around Matt Murray based on those two extremely good playoff samples where he brought them to Stanley cups? I think it was um, his third season in the league. So his like second full season that he had is his only season that he's been above 900 in save percentage. So I'm going to say no. And it's also just the lows are low, you know, like goaltenders are inconsistent, but Matt Murray is like pretty awful when, when he's not playing. And I just, you can't have so many guys in the dressing room that are like talking about Malkin that are, that, that play totally just depending on, you know, how the mood surrounding the team is in the dressing room, coaching staff confidence. Like you have to have guys that can go out there and play no matter what. And so that's why I'm, I'm okay with saying goodbye to Matt Murray. Although I guess I should say I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up a couple of good years because he was unplayable in those two playoff years. Right. Uh, Luke, anything to add on this particular Matt Murray discussion? Not really. I, the only thing, um, Pittsburgh's goalie situation dating way back to uh, when it was Flurry and Murray. Uh, forget how that was i don't know two three years Man, ago they've now. really benefited from goalies eh? yeah they've had some was, good ones so yeah. 17 was the last year yeah but he went to they Vegas. they seem to they seem to keep getting themselves into these situations where it's not a bad thing but they have to make some some decisions about their goaltending um and so far it's been it's been pretty reasonable i just i just think eventually like I don't, I don't know because I, I'm not, not to say kind of the tactic of, of, you know, like flurry obviously was Pittsburgh's goalie for a long time. Um, he gets, he, he leaves Pittsburgh and then uh, kind of under the assumption you've got Murray, he leaves Pittsburgh. So it's, it's not bad. I think it's a bit interesting. It's like a very minor um, goalie dilemma that, I mean, myself as a Vancouver fan, I know a bit about, but it's uh, it, it'll be interesting, and I I think I think Pittsburgh is kind of taking it the risk not a risky route but the riskier route, uh, but it could very well pay off. So we'll see. Yeah. It has so far. I I can attest to that as well. Back in 2010, when the decision was between Price and Halak, and Halak was coming off his playoff and, and his strong performances, and I think losing Flurry was easier to swallow because you had Matt Murray, and Matt Murray kind of saved the day in some of the playoffs. So. Hopefully they can uh, sort of right the ship and, and have, have goaltending because, you know, elite goaltending is hard to come by. And, you know, they got that inc- inconsistently from Fleury and somewhat inconsistently from Murray. Um, you, you touched on Cody Cece, so I don't – unless you guys kind of talked about that. We don't have to touch on that too much. Let's talk about the big move. Let's talk about the uh, 
you know, the big one, the one that uh, is, is up for debate. I think that's when people are really starting to turn on Rutherford. And that was the 2021st Evan Rodriguez, Philip Hollander, David Wersofsky to Toronto for Kasperi Kapanen, Pontus Aberg, and Jesper Lindgren. Let's talk specifically, again, the outside pieces we don't have to get too much into, but let's talk about the, the nucleus of the, of the trade itself. The, the first Hollander uh, for Kapanen. I think that's what most people would, would describe the trade as the first captain for him. So, um, what do you think of this? And I'm going to pose it to you, Kyle. Uh, are you happy with this move in any way? Uh, first of all, nucleus. That's a very good word. I like that. Thank you. Um, I think, uh, I think Hollander could probably have a higher ceiling than Kapitan, but I'm all for winning right now. You know, if, if we're going to win with Malcolm Latang and Crosby, like, like, I mean, right now, like next year, throw it all let's win. Like, I don't care about picks. I, I think that worked for Tampa Bay this year. I think they're, they were obviously in a better place for us than, than us than when they traded uh, for Coleman and uh, Goodrow. That, that, they give a first for Goodrow. That got a lot of criticism. Um, and I think Captain fits nicely into our system. I don't think he's ever going to score like a top six player. Um, but I think that there's been a lot of guys that have played with Crosby and Malkin that have done a job that haven't been top players. You think of guys like Chris Kunitz and Connor Sheary. So um, yeah, I, I'm fine with it. It's, it's, it's pretty pricey for Kapanen, but I think everybody in the league knows we're trying to win right now and we give away picks pretty easily. So that wasn't the, the trade that made me mad the most this summer. Which one was? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess not trade. I should say move. I, I would say getting CC and Matheson in. And like, I thought, when we got rid of Johnson and, and good Branson, we were done kind of going for these wash-up defensemen. Yeah, and I, I know we, we've looked a lot at what the package the Penguins gave up, and it was really high, and I think we're sort of underrated. You know, Kasperi Kapanen is a solid player, and, you know, Sidney Crosby is good enough that he got Chris Kunitz onto that 2014 Canadian gold medal team. So, you know, the guy's clearly a miracle worker. So I – do I think Kasperi Kapanen is like a 50-60 point scorer? No. Do, would I be shocked if Sidney Crosby turned him into one? Not the slightest because he's Sidney Crosby exactly. and that just seems to be what he does, right? Do you think there are concerns with Kapanen though, seeing as it didn't really work in Toronto's top six with, with Tavares and Matthews, but the, the confidence among Penns fans is that it's guaranteed to work amongst Crosby. I know Crosby's on another level than both of them, but what's different about it? Why would he all of a sudden sort of figure it out in Pittsburgh? I don't think it's a guaranteed thing at all. I think you look how many wingers you've seen tried on Crosby's line throughout the years that just end up playing with Malkin. Like even Jason Zucker already looks like his time with Crosby's have been up, which I right. don't think it should be because I think he's looked good in, in spurts with Crosby. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think Crosby's just on another level. And I think that I've never really seen Tavares or Marner, or sorry, Tavares or Matthews bring a player up, elevate them up that much other than you could – Say Zach Hyman, but I think Zach Hyman plays it in a much different way than Captain. Right. But That's a good comparison. I don't know. I, I just think he fits into the system. Like we play such a quick game. And uh, I think especially on a, uh, on a line with Crosby and Gensel specifically, I think there's room for him on that line to just kind of do the work that they won't and, and, and move the puck down the wing uh, and get them, get it into not be relied upon for scoring when you have Gensel and Crosby next to him. Do you have any more questions for him on off-season moves? Because I've got a little thing I want to know his opinion on. Maybe everybody else is here. Because I saw uh, a reverse retro leak. I have a quick question, just sort of a comment before we get to reverse retro. Real quick. Um, you mentioned win now. And one thing that we have always credited Jim Rutherford for, I think the Zucker trade was excellent, um, was he his commitment to winning now. Every single year, he has said, win the cup, win the cup, get the best out of Crosby and Malkin. And – while that is uh, admirable, do you think, like, look, Crosby's 33, Malkin's 34. Do you think what would be a better situation? I'll pose this to all of you, or maybe if Kyle, if you just want to answer this, getting uh, Kapanen, who you know what you have in right now, or keeping that 15th overall pick, getting an Amirov, getting a Dawson Mercer, getting a which, whatever forward, you name it, who in two years will be very good. What do you, do you really think, yeah, which of those two options, what would you prefer? Because I think in two years, even though Crosby will be 35, you still want to win with Crosby, even if he's 35. So is it really worth giving up that pick 
because I think at some point those teams aren't going to have to rebuild, but sort of reset recoup assets. So what do you guys think of that? And, and Luke, Nick, if you guys have comments as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys answer. I feel like I've been stealing all your time today. I think it's, um, I mean, it, it obviously depends. And in Pittsburgh slash Rutherford's case, he's made it pretty clear uh, what his intentions are when now. Right. So therefore, I think, I think, Kapanen was the right way to go um like objectively from like a very overall standpoint who knows like you don't know how that 15th overall pick is going to pan out you can only you can only do so much so was it the safer option I don't know uh was it the better option for what he's claimed uh his vision is yeah so it's uh, yeah, it make it makes sense for for the Penguins specifically. Any other team in that position, Kapanen instead of a a mid first rounder, I don't know. Like it's it's questionable, but it's I I, I don't think it's a massive um, it's a massive error either way. Yeah, what the Penguins are now uh, to me, especially after moves like this, I, it, it's so hard to get a read on because Jim Rutherford rightfully earned a lot of goodwill in 2016 and 17 because you know he stepped in to a team that was a lot like it is right now and he quickly after some good transactions turned them into a stanley cup repeat champion and that hadn't been done in the 21st century and that's something he deserves a lot of credit for because he really changed the style of the penguins like kyle mentioned earlier made them really good north south speed team and now that's that goodwill seems to have fallen off quite a bit so it's hard to get a read on what the Penguins are, if they're doing a good job, if they're doing the right thing, just because, you know, now that they aren't the Stanley Cup champions, we're looking at these moves with a lot more scrutiny than we were back in 2016 and 2017. So for me, at least, it's just so hard to read. And it's really fascinating because, you know, I want to say, to sit up here and say that Jim Rutherford's doing a terrible job and they should look elsewhere, but at the same time, he's rightfully earned a bit of leash here from the Penguins management because of the fact that he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. And, you know, you, you can't just throw that out. It, you could, but hockey is a business of loyalty. and We right. don't often see guys like that just tossed out. Nick, think- consistent in adding nuance to the conversation. Uh, back to you, Kyle, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say this could be a big move for Rutherford's career, honestly, because... <clears throat> I think it's a move that'll either make him look really smart or really dumb because Kaepernick is a player he's already drafted and traded once. Like we didn't mention that. Right. And uh, you know, if, if Kaepernick doesn't work out, he's kind of playing at or below the level he's been at in Toronto, then I don't think Pittsburgh are challenging for the cup. Um, mm. And then especially with the, the way Rodian and Amarov's trending and even guys like Zary and Mercer in that range, then Patrick's right. It could have been a better move to wait two years and, and get a guy like that playing alongside Crosby. But I, I don't know. I, I think there is a good case to be made that Crosby, Malkin, and Kapanen for the next two years is better than Crosby and Malkin and a guy like Amarov in three years. Good point. Uh, I think we would all agree. Nick, uh, because we're running out of time, you wanted to talk about jerseys. Yeah, I, I saw a leak on Twitter today that I actually came across. Uh, the Penguins reverse retro and the Flyers. Uh we talked about them yesterday and I thought this fit the subject. Well, these are apparently what the penguins and flyers will be wearing with the reverse retro. Uh, Kyle, is it something you'll be purchasing? Yeah, honestly, without a doubt, I'm a really big fan of textures. Some people think they're a little plain and unimaginative, but I don't know. That's really nice. Uh, I would like to see it in black though. I think that would look even better. Yeah, that looks good. Luke, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind the Pittsburgh one. It's it, it feels like a safe a safe throwback. Uh, nothing too crazy. Same with the Flyers one, but for some reason I don't like that as much. Do you have um, the Canucks one? The Grady oh yeah, one? is there a Canucks one out yet? I know there's a lot of here. Are are these, there, did there's are, leak? Are these leaks or are these mock-ups? These are these leaks. are leaks. Here, these are leaks. Um, apparently, I will send this to you right now, Nick. There's a few yeah, Canucks. Mock-up, and it's our and it's our not. favorite it's our favorite Canuck, Jake Vertanen. When you pull that oh, up, yeah, uh, um, I don't mind we, it. We and and this one specifically, I thought looked pretty cool. Um, I'm gonna say I don't like either of those jerseys at all. I like uh, I like the Penguins sort. Of, I wish they sort of went back to 
the the baby blues have a variation on the baby blues. I like those a lot. Oh man, I don't think I like this. I do not. I the it's yuck. If they did the gradient, I would have liked them go back to the to the red one. I just yeah, that's yeah. I don't um, know. This doesn't do anything. The blue. Blue and green in that sort of way, just blue fading to green, just yeah. doesn't work. For I don't me. see the throw. I don't see what they're throwing this back to. Like, I don't... <laughs> it's the gradient one from the early two thousands, though. But but, but the just colors, blue the colors green. aren't even right. Yeah, like, like right. Said, that's I mean, what I don't know. It's a reverse retro. The reverse guess, in the colors. Yeah. I don't know. I would have liked. I still think they need to go back to the stick. The stick in the rink. I still think that's timeless. That's like one of the most underrated jerseys. But they should have done that one with the uh, skate era colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I don't one. love yeah. the skate, but I love the colors. Oh my! See, oh, thank you, Watson. Geez. Thank you. No, it is, no. It's definitely Vancouver Canucks PR. Please DM me. I will <laughs> give you the rights to that trademark that I just claimed. So yeah, it's. Uh, I find yeah, that one's what, uh, real quick. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of the Kachina jersey? Is that one of the best jerseys ever? We're about to make Luke really mad. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's it kind of looks like something you'd see in like ESHL. Uh, Is that a bad thing? I don't. It. I oh, like yeah. it. It's just very unorthodox. Like, uh, and it's kind of got this like hipster like attachment to it now that people that don't even watch hockey will buy it. So why is, is that's Luke a good point that, or yeah, i'd never it? thought of that that is a interesting point um as we wrap yeah, up yeah we've got a couple minutes here did you guys want to play kyle did you want to plug anything oh well actually myself and patrick Dallin, your wonderful hosts uh are starting a podcast soon with our peer rain hernandez it's called in the system the show you can Friend find us uh at in the system show on twitter Great. Anything else you want to plug? Just your work on with the London Knights, anything? Where can people find you on Twitter? At Kyle underscore NW is where you can find all my work. And uh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Of course. Um, this has been a blast. You're welcome on anytime. And as you wrap up here, you know, you are now officially a friend of the show, along with the others we mentioned. It's a big uh, deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Consider yourself <laughs> lucky because we don't let just anyone come on. Um, anyway. Group. Yeah. Um, I want to remind everyone who tuned in to the show that it can be heard on Barn Burner Radio Network on its 122 platforms. Check out all of it on barnburner.ca for all the news and updates. For Kyle Watson, Luke Burrows, Nick Robinson, and myself, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, Thursday from 3 to 5, and then Friday from 7 to 8. Guys, thank you so much, and uh, take care. We'll see you next week.